You've probably already noticed that we read the same lessons on this day every single year. Don't they sound familiar? Indeed, they do highlight for us the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But this week's, or this year's gospel lesson is not one that we always read on Easter Sunday. It is not one that we always read on every Easter Sunday. For this morning, we read from the Gospel of John. It sounds quite familiar to the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So perhaps you didn't notice that there's a person thrown into this story that we don't see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The other disciple. The one that Jesus loved. Known as the beloved disciple. This other disciple only shows up in John's Gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the twelve disciples. And John has the twelve disciples also, and this one too. The other disciple, the beloved disciple, as he's known throughout the book of John. People, since the beginning of John's gospel, when it has been handed down through the church all of these years, have wondered who this person is. Is he a metaphor? Or is he a real person? And why does he not, is he not in the other gospels, if indeed he is a real person? Well, I happen to have spent a lot of time pondering this same question. I even have a book published on it, but I won't take that long in this sermon to tell you about that. You see, I believe that this other disciple, this beloved disciple, is a teenager. Someone between the ages of 12 and 15. And so he only counts sometimes. Don't we know that? about that phase of life, 12 to 15 years old? Haven't you, as adults, counted your people that are 12 to 15 only sometimes? You try to figure out how much food you need. Well, they only eat a little bit. They're kind of more like a kid and they're eating, so we won't count them in the adult total, right? Maybe you've gone to a restaurant and you've said, oh man, please let them order from the children's menu because they're not going to eat an adult meal. So they don't really count, even though they're over 12. Or maybe you've taken them to some event, and they would go begrudgingly. And you think, gosh, do I have to pay an adult ticket for you? Because you don't even want to be here. <laughs> this age counts sometimes. This particular passage of John's Gospel is one of the illustrations that I think supports a young person as a follower of Jesus. You see, the beloved disciple and Peter heard what Mary had to say, and they took off toward the tomb. But who got there first? The other disciple did. If you would like, we could have a foot race after church of someone who's in the age between 12 and 15, and someone who's in their early 30s. We can just see, if both people start off to run, who gets to the destination first? He gets there first, but he doesn't go in. He wants to have someone lead him. So he stands beside the empty tomb. Peter arrives and does go in. And then the other disciple, the beloved disciple, follows him. They go in, and it's this beloved disciple 
who believes. He believes. But what does he believe? It's a beautiful thing, this part of life, this age, 12 to 15, when you start to remember and realize that the world is bigger than you thought it was. For the first time ever, you can conceive of things that you could never conceive of before. This can be joyful and it can be frustrating. You see the discrepancies, you see the hypocrisies, and you, you feel the longing for what the world could be, the fullness that life could be. You wonder why the adults around you have settled for less than what it is possible, and you're angry with them for trying to encourage you to do the same. This is the beloved disciple. This is the one who came and started to learn from Jesus and decided to follow him, which was customary in that day for a young boy to choose a teacher from whom he would learn. He became a disciple of that teacher. And he became open to what it was the teacher was telling him. There's a new way, Jesus said, a way of life and love. Behold, God is making all things new better than you can even imagine. But the beloved disciple could start to imagine. He did start to imagine. He proclaims the good news of God that he knew in Jesus Christ. We need to remember this good news. This week has brought to our attention that evil is alive in the world. And as adults, we might feel frustrated and angry, powerless in the face of it. We might feel cynical, perhaps resigned. Here it is. This is the end. Oh, I pray that our young people don't give in to our cynicism, that they don't allow themselves to be schooled in our hard-heartedness. I pray that our young people allow themselves to be open to what is possible and that we learn to listen. Because God is doing a new thing, something bigger than we can imagine. And it is only when we allow our young people to be beside us, to hear God speak to them, that they will begin to reveal to us the new work that God is doing. A peace that passes all understanding. A security that is not rooted in a job or an income. A joy that is beyond chemical makeup or particular good things that happen to us in a given day. A deep sense of being known and loved. So much so that I believe this beloved disciple came to know himself as that. He didn't want a name any longer. He knew himself to be beloved. And that is how he knew himself in the world. How he wanted others to know him. Yes, my friends, we are all beloved by God. And perhaps we have forgotten. On this day, may we ask God to help us in our unbelief, to soften our hearts so that we might discover again the transforming love of God at work in the world, that God is going to be doing a new thing, breaking the bonds of death, bringing about a transformation that only life and love can give. We want to be a part of that. God asks us to empower his power in the world to share that good news of love 
of life, of resurrection. O Lord, soften our hearts. Remember that we are your beloved and help us to remember the same so that we might proclaim your glory in the world. Amen.